before Lynette and I left to go on vacation, uh, uh, we started this series. I started this kind of mini series on talking about rest because, you know, we're in the middle of summer, summer vacations. We took a vacation, and oh, by the way, thank you again so much for giving us the opportunity to go to Alaska. Uh, I, I told several people it is number one on the highlights of my life right now. I mean, it was an incredible time away for us. Somebody said, oh, you need to be careful. You know, your marriage probably, or the birth of your children should be up there. And I'm like, you know, our marriage is not even in Lynette's top five. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> but anyway, had an incredible time. It was, it was awesome. I'd love to show you pictures and tell you all about it. Uh, but today I want to bring you this final message, kind of talking about rest and the kind of rest that God wants us to have, the rest that we can find in Jesus like we've been uh, talking about. And I don't know about you, but I find it difficult to find good rest when I'm stressed out. Right? Anybody with me? I mean, when I'm stressing about something, when I'm worrying about something, I have, I have trouble sleeping good, you know, I have trouble finding rest. Uh, when when things are bothering me and and you know we live in a culture today if you don't believe me just go out here on highway 65 and set at a red light for a little while we live we live in a culture today of people that are stressed out right i mean you see it on the roadways uh you, you just see it in all areas of life and i believe one of the reason that we're so stressed and 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 you know worried about so much is because of the news right i mean if you just watch the news we're bombarded by all this news today and news of, of different, you know, things that are going on. They tell you one day, you know, you need to take a baby aspirin a day and it's good for your health. The next day the news comes out, don't take a baby aspirin a day, it's bad for your health. You know, it comes out, drink a gallon of water every day, it's good for your health. Don't drink a gallon of water every day, you'll drown, you know. And so we've got all this and so, you know, it, there's no wonder we're stressed and we're confused and all this stuff's going on. And, and I know that some of you here today are, are probably going through some life situations that may be stressful, uh, may be difficult. Some of you may have just come out of or you're in the middle of or maybe about to enter into a, a, a difficult situation. Um, maybe some of you are here today and you really don't know what the future holds. You don't know what your next step's going to be. You know, God's preparing and doing a work and, and you know something's out there, but you're really unsure and it's causing some uncertainty. Along with that comes some stress, some anxiety. Now, maybe you have uh, a health issue or someone in your family has a health issue, and that always creates a little stress. Uh, this morning, my niece was in early service. She's about to have a baby here before long, and I was like, honey, you don't even know what stress is. You know, until you've been up two in the morning, a baby crying, and you don't know why. I mean, is that not one of the most stressful things in the world? Or, or something that, that we're beginning to experience now and something you never really think about when you're young. But when you get older and your parents begin to age, you know, how do you gracefully, you know, become the parent in that situation that you have to be at times to, you know, give advice, to help, you know, to uh, just be... That, that's a whole different dynamic that, you know, you never really think about until your parents begin to age that can cause, you know, worry and and stress in, in your life as well. You know, you, you go from them taking care of you to now it being your responsibility to take care of them, and that's a tough place to be. Maybe, you know, some of you are stressing over finances. I know that can be a very stressful thing. Uh, maybe it's a relationship you're in. Maybe it's a marriage. And, and here's the deal. 
we all have either been stressed out, we walked in here this morning stressed out, or at some point in the future it will present a circumstance or a situation for us to be stressed out about. And the last thing that we want to hear from somebody when we're going through that is that's not a big deal, all right? Whatever it is that you're going through, you know, it's not a big deal. Let me just tell you something. If I'm unemployed and you tell me it's not a big deal, all right, we're, we're, we're going to have a little issue there, right? Because, you know, it, it, someone with, a, you know, good intentions may say, you know, it'll be okay, it's going to work out, God's got a plan, but I'm unemployed and I'm not drawing a check. So it's a big deal when we're going through something like that. So the last thing that we want is somebody tell us, you know, what we're going through is not a big deal. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm not going to stand here today and tell you that stressful situations and the dynamic that you find yourself in from time to time is not a big deal. And I'm not going to stand up here this morning and tell you to get over it either uh, as well. But what I am going to stand up here and tell you today is this. If your stressful circumstance, all right, your stressful circumstance will always be just that if you allow it to be. If you stay focused on that circumstance or that situation, that diagnosis, whatever it may be, if you continue to focus on that, it will always be a stressful circumstance or situation for you. Okay, and so this morning, you know, we're, we're, we're going to see that the decision is ours. You know, are we going to be overwhelmed? Or are we going to claim this identity that we sang about as a child of the king where we have been called and told and we can claim that we're overcomers? Are we going to be overwhelmed or are we going to be overcomers? That's really our decision to make in everything that we face in life. And so that's what we're going to look at, and that's what we're going to talk about today, because the decision really is ours, and no one can make that decision uh, for us. Uh, this sermon today is not going to be about how you can get out of your current circumstance. I don't have three points in a poem that's going to you know, help you fix your situation that you may be in, okay? Uh, if you came in here today without a job, odds are today you're going to leave here without a job. Okay, uh, I can't help you out of your circumstance today, but what I want to try to do today is to show you in and through uh, the story of Daniel how you can find some rest in that maybe and how you can find some peace in that and that God wants you to be an overcomer and not to be overwhelmed. And, and so, uh, you know, I want you to be able to, to, to see that it's important we focus on Christ and not the circumstance. All right, And if we can get our focus off our situation and onto our Savior, then that can change everything about us. Because here's the deal. What you worry about and what you focus on is really going to determine how your day is going to go. What you're focused on, what you're stressed about, what you're worried about, what has your time, what has your attention is going to determine your future and what you're day looks like today and what tomorrow is going to look uh, like for you. Uh, because when you're focusing on things other than Jesus, right, you will experience anxiety. You will. You will experience fear. You will experience stress, and that can lead to even depression. And depression is real. Don't let anyone tell you that it's not real. It's very real. 
those of you that experience it and go through it. Okay? But today, here's the deal. What I, what I want us to focus on is this, that we can make a choice that, you know, you, you, you can take your focus off your circumstance today and you can put it on Christ. You can put it on Jesus Christ because in Christ, He promises us that we can experience peace. Right? We can experience hope. We can experience joy. And we can find rest. Not because of who we are or anything that we can do, but because of what He has done for us. And, and I want to just focus on two things this morning as we look at the story of Daniel. I only got two points. First one is this. Daniel is going to show us this morning. God is all-powerful. Our God is a great and mighty God. Anybody believe that? You believe that our God is all-powerful? Huh? Do you believe that he can overcome anything that this world has to throw at us or him? Huh? He's almighty. He's a great God. Amen. And we sang this morning that we are what? His child. We are a child of the king. We are a child of the God who is all-powerful. He is great and he is mighty. Now, let me set the context for the scripture that we're going to be looking at here today in, in Daniel chapter 1. The nation of Babylon has invaded Israel. All right, we see the story repeated all throughout the Old Testament. Israel, once again, has lost its focus, right? They've lost their focus. Their focus is not on God, all right? They've turned their back on God, and there is always a consequence to that. When you get your focus on the wrong thing, there's a, there's a consequence to it, and that's what's taking place here. God has removed his blessing from Israel. And again, he says to them, hey, you want to do this without me? You want to walk on, through life without me? You want to go on this journey without me? Go ahead. You have a choice. You can make that choice. You can journey with me or you can journey alone. Right? You can go my way or you can go your way. It's your choice. Focus on whatever it is that you want to focus on. And friends, you know, just looking at the nation of Israel should be a lesson to every single one of us, you know. If you go through this life not being obedient to God, if you go through this life not focused on God and the things of God, it's not going to be good for you. And it's probably not going to end well. All right? And, and so it's, you know, things are bad here. Thousands of people had been killed. Babylon has invaded Israel, and it's completely crazy. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 3 here in the book of Daniel. Got some big words in it. I'm not making you any promises. If you think you can do better, give you a mic, all right? Because this first name I'm not even sure about, so we're just going to call him Ash. Uh -huh. Then the king ordered Ash. Penaz. Ash Penaz. There you go. It's all phonics chief of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Verse 6, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Okay, so here's the deal. 
when the Babylonians would invade a nation, right, when they came in, what they were doing was, is they would take the best and the brightest. It would like, they were, they were coming in and they were saying, we want the Navy SEALs, right? We want your best. We want your most talented, your strongest, you know, the, 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 mo- the, the best people you have. We, we want them. They're going to take them and they're going to take them into slavery and make them into what they want them to be for their country, right? And, and so that's what's going on in Daniel's life here. He's one of these that has been chosen. He, he goes, you know, one day he's in the midst of royalty. One day he's in the middle of a great job. One, in, one day he's in the middle of a really awesome situation. And all of a sudden, the next day, what? He's being forced into slavery, you know, into a situation that he had no control over. Something that he didn't pick for himself. Something that he didn't choose for himself. Something that was of no fault of his own. And he finds himself in this situation. And, and most scholars agree that more, uh, most likely uh, leading up to this, Daniel witnessed many of his family and many of his friends that would have been brutally killed while this invasion had taken place. And so they took Daniel into custody. And they marched him across not just one but two deserts to get into Babylon. And I'm thinking that right about now, Daniel is probably feeling a little overwhelmed. Don't you imagine? Daniel's probably feeling a little stressed about now. After all that he's gone through and what he's going through here. I mean, Daniel's had a bad day, if not multiple bad days in a row. Okay, and, and I'm not going to stand here and tell you that your circumstance or your situation is, is less stressful than Daniel's because to you, hey, whatever it is that you may be going through right now, you may feel just as hopeless and just as overwhelmed. Some of you have been there and probably felt a similar way that Daniel did. But what I want to show you is what Daniel, don't miss this, what Daniel knew about God. Right, what he knew about God. And I believe that if we truly could understand who God is and what God wants to do in us, through us, and for us, then it would help us go through our circumstances that maybe are forced on us outside of our choosing and that the world would put on us. The Babylonians were trying their best to do what? To make a slave out of Daniel. The Babylonians were trying to make a slave out of Daniel. Friends, don't miss this. The world is trying to make a slave out of you. They're trying to enslave you in your job. They're trying to enslave you with your bank account. They're trying to enslave you by trying to keep up with the Joneses. This world is trying to turn you into a slave. And you need to know that and you need to understand that today. So don't miss what the Bible says next here in verse number 8. It says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. And you may, may be like me in, in, in thinking. You know, you just read this casually, you think, Daniel, what's the big deal? Why not take the food? You know, why not take what's being offered to you here? Good grief, man, look at all what you've been through. You know, just accept what they're offering you now. But when you dig into this deeper, and it speaks to this fact that this food was food that had come, you know, basically from the king's table. Well, what that means is when you study that and, and, and dig into it a little deeper is this. This food, by coming from the king's table, Daniel knew that it had been presented to Babylonian false gods. 
right, in preparation. It had been uh, uh, presented to the Babylonian gods. And if you ate this food, it basically would be saying this. I believe in and I serve these false gods of Babylon. All right, that's what it would have been saying. If he would have accepted the food and the wine and, and would have, you know, eaten it and, and partaken in that. Well, Daniel made a choice here, right? He drew a line right here. He had a choice. He knew he had a choice in, in, in where his focus would be and what he would do. And it says Daniel resolved not to do that. Right? He said, you know what? You can, you can kill my family. You can march me across the desert. You can march me across another desert. You can even change my name. You can, you can try to make a slave out of me. You can try to make a slave out of me. But I will not acknowledge another God. I'm going to keep my focus on the one true God. I will not acknowledge that there is anything out there that can compete with who my God is. And here's why. Because my God is all-powerful. My God is all-powerful. My God is greater. My God's greater than that desert. My God's greater than your army. My God's greater than the circumstance that I'm going through. My God is greater. He is all-powerful. Daniel understood that even in his circumstance, even through his circumstances, and, and yes, they were completely overwhelming, and yes, they were crushing him. Daniel has his eyes fixed on what? Not the enemy. He doesn't have his eyes fixed on the circumstance. He has his eyes fixed on his Savior. And he said, you know what? My God is more powerful. My God is more powerful than this enemy. My God is more powerful than this circumstance or situation. And yes, what I'm going through is real. Yes, what I'm going through is hurting me. Yes, what I'm going through may kill me. But at the end of the day, I believe that God is all-powerful and that He is greater than the circumstance that I'm going through. Friends, I, I love this. Th this is huge for you and I as followers of Jesus Christ. This is huge for us. And here's something else cool about this story. I love this. What's the name of the book that I told you to turn to this morning when I got through with that 30 minutes of announcements? What book did I tell you to turn to? The book of Daniel. Right? The name of the book is Daniel. And that's important because they tried to change his name. They tried to change his name. His name. And, and back in this day, if you change someone's name, you change their identity. Because, see, a name carried the identity of the person. And, and the name Daniel means this. God is my judge. That was his name. That was his identity. Daniel. God is my judge. The name Belshazzar means Baal saves. Or Baal saves my life. Daniel never took on the identity. Don't miss this. He never took the identity of a slave. He never took on that identity. We're not reading from the book of Belshazzar today. We're reading from the book of Daniel. Right? The Bible doesn't say here in verse 8, but Belshazzar. It says, but Daniel. And here's why that's important. If you and I don't want to be stressed out by our circumstance, we cannot take on the identity of that circumstance. We can't take on the identity of what it is that's trying to overwhelm us. We can't take on uh, what the identity of whatever it is that's 
trying to enslave us. And I'll just push down on that a, a little farther. I meet with too many people who identified themselves as who they used to be. Right? This is who I used to be. Instead of taking on the identity of Christ, instead of taking on the identity of a child of a king, they're still allowing their past and what happened in their past and how they were victimized as the past or whatever it may have been in their past, they're still allowing that to identify who there are today. And as long as you and I identify with slavery, we're never going to be free. As long as you and I identify with the things that used to hold us in bondage and the things that enslaved us, we're never going to be free. We'll always be enslaved to those things. Because here's the deal. If you are a Christian, you are a blood-bought, born-again, free child of God. That's your identity. Your identity is in Christ. It's not in, in, in these other things or, or in your past. You have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has given you victory over all those things and whatever it is that may be stressing you out today. And you know what? God is all-powerful. And oh, by the way, He's your daddy. If you have accepted Him, he is your father, and he is greater than any circumstance. He's greater than any enemy. He's greater than any battle that you may face. That's your identity. So can I just tell you this morning, quit identifying yourself as something else that is enslaving you. Your identity is not unemployed. Your, your identity uh, this morning is, is not cancer patient. Your identity this morning is not broke with no money, right? Your, your name is not divorcee. Your name and identity is not single parent. Your identity is, is not widow or widower. Your name is a child of the king. That's your identity. That's where your identity claps. Somebody do something. I feel like we're watching a golf, golf channel. And not only that, but think about this. One of these days, and it won't be long, if you're a follower of Christ and you're a child of the King, you, my friend, are an heir to the riches of heaven. Does that cause you stress? To know that one of these days, you're going to be moving into a mansion? That you're going to be an heir? To the king of kings, you're going to be an heir to the riches of heavens. That don't stress me out one bit. And can I just tell you this morning, this life is short. You know, in a week's time, I've never in my life seen the amount of death happen to a community that's happened this past week. We of all people ought to know and understand life is short and it can end at any given moment. Eternity lasts forever. And as an heir to the king, as a child of the king, we are heirs to the riches of heaven. And that don't stress us out one bit, right? Really kind of puts things into perspective when you think about it. Daniel understood that his God was more powerful than anything that this world might throw at him or offer him. And because God was all-powerful, he knew this. God's willing... And God is able. Because God is all-powerful, Daniel knew that God was willing 
And he was able. And the best illustration, and I thought on this for quite a while as, as I was going through this, and I've used the illustration before, but it is so perfect, especially if you're not from the South, you're not going to get this, just so you know. Uh, but everybody else here, I, I think uh, it'll help this point kind of click for you. I just want to take a real quick survey, all right? And let me finish before you raise your hand because I don't want you to embarrass yourself. How many of you here today drive a four-wheel drive? Now, wait just a minute. I'm not talking about your $50,000 SUV, yada, yada, all-wheel drive that ain't never got off the pavement. I'm talking about you drive a showing a four-wheel drive. You put that sucker in the mud today if we could find some mud. How many of you got a four-wheel drive? Four-wheel drive. Look around. Hold your hands up. You got a four-wheel drive. You drive four-wheel drive. Right, see those hands? Everybody look around good. Keep your hands up. This is important. All you four-wheel drive drivers. Now, look around. Here's what you need to know about all these people with their hands in there right now. They probably have a gun. <laughs> On them right now. All right, so if any trouble breaks out, do you remember who those people that had their arms up? You go find them. You'll be safe. You'll be all right if you find them. <laughs> but here's what I know. Here's what I know about people with four-wheel drives in Arkansas. They believe in it, right? People in Arkansas got a four-wheel drive. They believe in it, and so they are willing, and they believe that they can do anything with it, and they can go anywhere with it. I've seen this, I've seen this repeated time and time and time again. I've seen people, I've never seen Parker, I've never seen anybody stick a truck as bad as you've struck, stuck them. But, you know, they believe they can go anywhere and do anything, and this time they'll make it, Right? They always are willing because they believe their vehicle uh, is able. Uh, and if you need to move something, that, uh, me, I got a chain, right? You know, you need to move your house, I hook on to it. I move your house, you know. Preaching won't move the church, we move the church. I got a truck, you know, I can do that. But, you know, wh why? Well, they believe. They believe that they are able. They believe that four-wheel drive will do whatever it is that they ask us to do. And so they're willing to give it a shot, right? They're willing because they believe that they're able. Now, I know that's kind of silly. It's true, but it's silly. But what if we really did believe that God was able and that God was willing to pull us out of whatever it is that we seem to be stuck in? What if we truly believed that God was willing and able to pull us out of or to pull us through? Sometimes you've got to kind of keep going through it a little ways before you get out of it. But that God was willing and able to do that, whatever circumstance it may be. And here's what fascinates me about Daniel and, and this story. Now, God didn't come up to Daniel and, and go, okay, listen up, Daniel. Let's make a deal. Here's the deal. All right, if you will not eat the food... All right, if you'll turn it down, if you'll make the right decision, if you'll, if you'll, you know, not eat this food that's been sacrificed to the false gods, here's what I'll do. If you won't eat that, then, you know, I'll bless you with this. If you won't eat that food, I will make sure that you get this or you receive this. You know, I'll even put a book in the Bible with your name on it. Right, if you won't eat the food. And, and, and not only that, but, but people are going to name their sons after you. 
right? There's even going to be a weird youth pastor in Greenbrier, Arkansas, who's named Daniel. It's going to be awesome, Daniel, if you'll just not eat the food. But don't miss this. Daniel didn't have any of that from God. Daniel didn't have a deal. Daniel didn't have a plan. God hadn't laid out to him what all this was going to look like. You know, in the days ahead, here's all that Daniel knew. I'm in the middle of a circumstance that is trying to define me, and I know my identity. I'm in a circumstance here that's trying to define who I am. I'm in the middle of a circumstance that's trying to overwhelm me. I'm in a circumstance that's trying to defeat me. And here's all I know about that. God is all-powerful. And God is greater than this circumstance. And He is willing and He is able to pull me through it. I'm going to hook on to Him. He is willing and able. And because He is able and He is all-powerful, I'm willing. I'm willing to trust Him. Right now, I don't know your details here this morning, but here's what I do know God is all powerful. God is greater than your circumstance, God is greater than your situation, and God is willing and able to pull you through it. I want to close with verse 9. It says this. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. The Bible says, now God. And let me tell you why that's important to you and to me today. Because he is a right now. God is at work in your situation right now. He's at work in your situation right now. Too many times when we get stressed out, we think of Him as a back then God. Well, I know what He used to do. I know what He did back then. But this morning, I want to remind you that He's a right now God. Right now, in your circumstance, let me tell you something. God is working for His glory. Right now, in your situation, He is working for your joy. Right now, in that situation, He is working for your peace. Right now. And you may be sitting there in the middle of it going, Steve, I can't see it. Uh, You know, I, I can't see it. I know you can't see it. But that's the beauty of this message this morning. You've got to know that God is able. You've got to know that God is all-powerful and He is willing and able to pull you through any circumstance or anything that you may find yourself in today. And I don't have time to read it today, but I want to encourage you today. Go home today and read the rest of the chapter. Read the rest of, uh, of chapter 1, and here's what you're going to find when you read through it. God didn't deliver Daniel from his circumstances. He didn't deliver him from his circumstance. He delivered Daniel through his circumstance. He brought him through his circumstance. 
This morning, God just wants you to hear and he wants you to know that God is greater than your circumstance and he is willing and able to pull you through. And this morning, as we close, I want to give you an opportunity to come to the altars. We close with a time of altar prayer this morning. Maybe there's something this morning that, you know, God just been speaking to you about and you've identified with something else lately and it's been overwhelming you or stressing you or maybe even defeating you and you just like to come and bring it to the altar this morning. I invite you to come. Maybe you know of a situation that's going on uh, uh, with someone and you just want to come and bring that or bring them, present them to the altar this morning in prayer, great time to do that. What an awesome reminder this morning that God would give us this promise, this reminder today that He is able and He is all-powerful and He's greater than anything that we may face or come up against. Continue to pray for Barry and their family and friends and, and uh, so many in our community that have lost loved ones, the Chuck Boone family, so many. I can't even name them all. Lynette lost a cousin uh, this week and, and uh, Shirley Grant, sudden loss that was totally unexpected. So many families in our community that are hurting in our church. Maybe something like come pray over the prayer chest. Um, Brother Jim's here this morning, Jim and Sandra and, and uh, Angel. It's great to have y'all here with us today. And he started the prayer chest, and it is filled full of names. People we've been praying for for years would come to know Christ. And many of those prayers have been answered. Some of you here this morning that have accepted Christ, your name's in that prayer chest. And uh, so we continue to pray over those. But if you'd like to come this morning or just join us right there where you sit as we join together as the body of Christ in prayer. Before we close today. God, sometimes we just need a good reminder. And uh, this, this message from Daniel and Daniel's life, there's so much to learn there from, from Daniel and his story and the life that he lived. But this morning, just in this one simple uh, event that transpired there. We learned so much from it. And God, the mo most important is the reminder that you are a mighty God. We serve. We are children of a mighty God if we have accepted you as Savior of our life. And so God, today I, I know and, and trust that there are some people here today that need to be reminded of that. It's a great reminder that sometimes we identify with the things that hold us in bondage. And that's our, not our identity. Our identity is that we're free. We're free indeed because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the love that you had for us. And it's been extended to us and it's ours for the taking. And so, God, I, I just pray this morning that if there is anyone that walked through the doors today that walked in here in bondage or feel like they're a slave to something, or an identity, or their past, that today you would set them free from that, and just remind them today, that's not who they are. Their identity's not in the past. Their identity's not in what's going on right now. Our identity is in you, and we're free. We're children of God. God, I pray today for those that are going through tough, tough situations in their life. I know... I know there are many in our church that are walking with or alongside someone that's 
going through a very difficult time in their life right now. God, number one, help us to know how to minister to that need. And how it is you would have us to walk along beside the people that are going through these things. God, most of all, today I pray that uh, just a light would shine down on them. That they would feel and sense the warmth of your presence in that situation. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, you are there. And you'll never leave us or forsake us. And that'd be a really scary place to be if we didn't have our Father there with us, walking us through that. We thank you for that promise. And I pray today that these families that have lost loved ones will feel and experience that very thing in their lives. God, I pray today for those that are hurting and those that are sick and those that would love to be here but they can't. It's not by choice. It's because of circumstance. I pray that even where they would be right now, they would sense your presence, sense you working in their life, that whether they're in a hospital room, a nursing home, a bedroom, confined to their living room, wherever it may be, that would just be a sanctuary of your presence, an overwhelming sense of your presence there. And they would know that they're never alone and that you're there with them and you're their hope. God, I just want to continue to pray for the other churches that we partner with and work with. We talked about the awesome opportunity we have with uh, Ron and them over at the Cowboy Church. God, we, we know this is you putting this in place. It's been evident to see things just fall right in place. We're blessed to be a part of that. But God, I pray that we continue to be challenged, that we can do more. We can always do more than what we think we can do because... When we commit to doing more than what we know we can do, that's truly faith. And so I pray that you would give us the faith. The faith to step out and do things we know we can't do. To minister to these kids in this community. To be able to help those who are lost and hurting, not just in our community, but across this district, across this state. All around this world, you're using us. But God, you could do so much more if we would be even more obedient than what we are today. So God challenges us about what that looks like and how you would have us to proceed in faith. And God, that uh, people wouldn't see us. They wouldn't see what we're doing. They would see what you're doing in and through us. And God, because when people see you, they see hope and they see help and they see uh, transformation that can come through lives. So God, as we partner with other churches, this church, the churches in this community, great, great churches, serve you. They worship you just like we do. They may have a different name over the door, but same Jesus, same God, same faith. I pray that you would help them, that you would give them fruit for their labor and fruit for their obedience. And that a revival would just spread throughout this community. And if it doesn't begin here, I pray it begin in one of the other churches. But God, that you would just do a work that would bring people to you, that your kingdom would increase. God, we continue to pray for those names in the prayer chest. <laughs> You've answered many of those prayers, but there are many out there that are still unanswered. And some of those reasons may be because we've not been obedient to what you've called us to do in those situations to go, to visit, to say a word, to ask a question. And God, if it's us that's standing in the way of someone coming to know Christ, 
I pray that you'd either move us out of the way or help us to have the strength and courage to be obedient to what you've called us to do. But I pray that you would continue to draw those people to you until they come and know you and have a personal relationship with you. I thank you for what you're doing. God, in this church, over the, over the years, you've done a great work, but you are not finished. We can't be content. We cannot be comfortable with what you have done, but with what you want to do and what you're going to do, and we want to be a part of that. So find us faithful in that. We love you so much. We thank you for loving us and giving us an opportunity to represent you in this world as we go out from this building. We're a child of the King, and I pray that when people see us, they would know that, and there would be no doubt about it. We'll be careful to give you the glory that you deserve. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you so much. Hope you have a great week this week.